born to serve. My eyes see injustice, my hands work for change, my tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope, let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back, respected listeners. 91.3 FM is what you are tuned into. My name is Muhammad Sheikh, bringing to you Born to Serve, featuring leaders in our community that have made a difference, are making a difference, and whose legacy will continue making a difference for many a generation to come. Yes, indeed, the nights are actually quite long. Summer's day is still far away. And uh, on that note, inshallah, we have to head straight, straight into our program this evening on Born to Serve. And yes, up my alley in the healthcare sector, we have have our guest in a studio, Dr. Malika van der Cape, a very well-known voice to the airways of the Voice of the Cape, as well as many other programs in and around media on health, health in general. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Dr. Malika. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And can I just say shukran so much to Voice of the Cape for the opportunity to come and join you. It's only a pleasure. So we all are familiar, we all are aware of the various achievements, portfolios that you've had under your belt and uh, community involvements throughout the years at the Voice of the Cape as well as uh, uh, on other media shows etc but today we looking at the person we're looking at the personality behind all of this and we're taking a little bit of a trek into your life and what has contributed to where you are today so let's begin with the very honest question who is Dr. Malika van der Cape? Well I think that answer obviously if you ask any woman that answer it's going to be a complex answer but i am a obstetrician and gynecologist Mm -hmm. i was the first muslim obstetrician gynecologist in private and i am in women's health care i'm in the private sector at mediclinic constantiaburg that's kind of my bio about where i am Mm -hmm. i am proud to be a muslim female gynecologist in the industry i'm joined now by many others as well but i it was not easy in the beginning being one of the few mm-hmm. and it um i hope that i can assist and help women and effect change in their life with regard to women's health health in general and mm-hmm. also bearing in mind that health is also about mental well-being absolutely well, not just physical no, surely okay that's a brief synopsis through the years and i'm sure the sweat of many um decades of work and involvement quite a scrutinizing process to get to where you are today i would imagine but uh, let us walk through a little bit through growing up your childhood i mean um medicine as a career firstly and then specializing into obstetrics and gynecology later on was that always your calling your passion to where you are today well i think if you ask my mom Mm. she says that my dad used to say this is going to be a doctor when she was when i was still in the womb so i think that would be what some would call in utero um, you know preconditioning that might have happened there ah. but I can still find the sub a book mm-hmm. where I was at Douglas Road primary school and teacher Appleby had said
said we must write in Afrikaans what we want to do and I had written there I will a doctor yes and I didn't even spell doctor correct and my mother still has this little bookie sure. so I do know that it was in my core that it has been there mm-hmm. and it has been a driving force through high school I went to Wittebuma High School I have a little story about that as well we can chat about later because it was not easy trying to go through this path sure. in the late 80s when um, education was not what it was mm-hmm. you know I come from a wonderful family where we I never felt as though I wanted I was in want for anything mm-hmm. but we also you know we had to get uh, to get by so to speak sure. and university educations as you're well aware is not easy absolutely so ever since I could remember medicine is what I've wanted to do mm-hmm. I always said such a naive thing but I could the only thought process I could remember mm-hmm. that I, was that I wanted to help people sure and I couldn't remember how that got into my core mm-hmm. obviously pay good parenting but um, that was where it was and once I did medicine mm-hmm. which was not an easy task to get into once I did medicine women's health was what attracted me the most okay interesting so from an undergrad pathway and uh, first year onwards already you were geared for this path I think so inshallah I think it was Allah's will obviously mm-hmm. and I think you know it was just women's health always I was always drawn to women's health because I'd always seen example of examples of women who were not prepared to share their innermost details with a man absolutely and I'm being a little bit controversial here in that where gender is concerned but and it was some of the deepest darkest things that they want that they thought were their deepest darkest secrets that they wanted to tell mm-hmm. to a medical professional but they never felt comfortable enough to do that sure. and I think that was what attracted me about where I thought there was a need for this within our community mm, interesting on that note it's now time to head to the marketplace and uh, pay the bills we'll be back shortly keep it locked born to serve my eyes see injustice my hands will for change my tongue sing the sorrow Welcome back, respected listeners. 91.3 FM is what's keeping you company this wonderful evening on um, The Voice of the Cape. My name is Mohammed Sheikh, and we are talking to specialist obstetrician and gynecologist Dr. Malika Fandis Cape. Welcome back, Doctor. Shukran so much. So, you know, growing up in the apartheid era and getting to medicine obviously was a dream perhaps so many and um, objectively speaking was very difficult for most people but nonetheless you know what was your experience like you know when you had this ambition and from in neutro to in school um, you know telling people that this is what your dream was going to be what was the response like well I must say a lot of my friends just giggled and kind of said whatever mm-hmm. and I have to tell you that my guidance teacher when we were in standard nine grade 11 um, standard nine back then now grade 11 mm-hmm. had said he sat me down and he said this is not realistic wow. you will never get into medicine so please just stop wow it's my job to give you realistic goals mm. and this is not a realistic goal sure and I remember and I looked at them and I thought 
this is no, I'm not going to believe you. And I sat and I looked at him and I said, okay. And I remember thinking, if this is Allah's will, it'll happen. I remember going home and my mom and my dad and my aunt and my oma back then. And they they kind of just said, oh, never mind him. Mm. You, know, you just make dua, Allah will make it happen. Surely. Study harder, all of the rest. And it wasn't easy then because school was not set it was yes. disrupted by protest by protest actions um one of the difficult subjects that you would be familiar with was, was physics mm. never felt like i had a love for it because we didn't you know we had a teacher that wasn't always there sure. so i really really felt that I, I did feel that it was difficult and i must mm. say unfortunately putting that kind of negativity within you you always thought oh i'm not going to i'm not going to i'm not going to mm. and i remember my colleague my friends kind of and one of my bestest best friends she always believed in me as well and it was, um, and I just went right ahead, and I continued, and I applied, and I still remember specifically my dad saying to me, you can't just leave your, you know, you have to at least apply to UWC as well, which mm. didn't offer medicine, obviously, because I had applied for medicine at the two big universities, Stellenbosch and Tigerberg, I mean Stellenbosch and, and UCT, and I applied, and I still remember saying to him, you fill out the form, choose what you want, like, choose something. Right. for the other one and I really don't remember what I chose for the second one but wow. it was all about the first choice mm. and I know that sounds really um, putting your eggs and gambling all in one basket but alhamdulillah you know I also back then it was 70% about your academics and 30% about your social involvement wow. and I did get involved in the community and for years with like Red Cross Hospital or volunteering or Beit Laman my best friend Yasmina Abdurrahman and myself used to go down to Beit Laman in the afternoons mm -hmm. every Friday afternoon religiously for like three or four years and just wow, be with the ladies and things like that mm -hmm. and the imams in our community wrote letters and things like that so I think that was a big part of it as well obviously academics as well Yes. Um, but I believe a big part of it about trying to achieve that was made through du'a and service and, mm. and people truly believing in you because there were big factors all throughout my career and still as you go, mm. there are big factors where people are very negative, the world is very negative sure. and a supportive family, alhamdulillah, is what's made it really positive. Absolutely. And when I did get into medicine, it was, um, I remember I was, we had been on holiday in Oatshorn and I remember my Oma and my aunt were at home and they had phoned and they were very careful and respectful to say this envelope had come and it had accidentally kind of opened up mm. and I said no, I don't care just open it up read it Oma read it, read yes. it and that was when I found out I'd gotten accepted wow. and I headed away from everybody except my bestest best friend until mm. I had paid the registration and gotten my re my student number because I kept thinking I'm sure they made a mistake wow. they definitely um, they made a mistake they're going to call and call mm back and go oh, no we changed our mind or things like that mm -hmm. and that unfortunately is because sometimes that negativity gets put in you mm -hmm. when you at school and school now is not is is almost the same as school then in that there are so many negative factors in the environment in the community that are that kids have to deal with sure. that it takes a lot of everything else to pull mm. positivity to try and get that career goal and a big part of that is Islam your faith mm -hmm. and a big part of that is your family giving you that support absolutely yeah. I couldn't I couldn't agree more would you say you know in that phase of um, being told things other than you know you couldn't make it by a guidance teacher and setting unrealistic goals who perhaps played an absolute pivot growing up in terms of your life um, you know with regards to this career pathway and offering the support structure 
can only say my family, honestly, mm-hmm. my family. It can, you know, my folks, my mom's sister and mom's mother lived um, in the house with us. Mm-hmm. So they'll always say I'm a sport little diva because I had three mommies and one daddy and I wow. could try my luck with everybody. <laughs> but it was their support. Uh-huh. It was there. And it was also, I sometimes used to, used to yell at my dad and say, all of this positive reinforcement was giving me an anxiety complex about performing sometimes. True. But they were really positive in mm. the sense that you can do it, you will do well, you do your best, we believe in you. Mm-hmm. And that positive reinforcement and that knowing that there are obstacles but having that and I know it's a controversial thing to say but not having that victim mentality always believing that Allah will guide and help you Mm. and that I believe was instilled in me by my parents and as I said my Oma and my auntie and I I can't tell you what the secret is for other people to take on but I can tell you that that love Mm -hmm. is what I felt in an exam room it's what I felt in an oral in a clinical they were always just there I could feel there to ask because they were sitting at home reciting sighing they were sitting at home busy telling me, you know, mm. so, I think I think that's vitally important. You know, as you know as well, medicine is not an easy easy path to follow, and the only way I think you can survive is by having a passion for it. Mm-hmm. And the only way the passion for it cannot beat you is if you have a good support structure. I think you couldn't have said it better. On that note, it's time to be back at the marketplace. We'll resume shortly thereafter. Keep it locked. Born to serve. My eyes see injustice. My hands will. Sing the sorrow of my heart. my heart The love of Allah combined with hope Let's hold hands as we make a start Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah Welcome back respected listeners, 91.3 FM is what's keeping you locked this evening My name is Muhammad Sheikh and my guest in the spot this evening is Dr. Malika van Escape, specialist obstetrician and gynecologist. And today we are dissecting her life literally as the person behind the scenes, behind the activism, behind the community involvement uh, throughout uh, throughout her life actually from high school onwards and uh, up, to, up to this point in time still involved with lots and lots of things uh, in the community. But we're getting to look at the person behind the scenes, what makes her who she is and uh, what adds lots of value to her life. So welcome back, Dr. Malika. Shukran again for the invitation. And, uh, you know, so um, evading your guidance, your guidance counsel at high school and, you know, getting this acceptance letter, getting into university, what, what would you say was your um, dark moment, I would imagine, throughout your career in terms of, you know, a really rainy day? And how did you come about? How did you, um, you know, evolve from that and bypass it? I... I think one of the things, and I always end up taking forever to answer this question, so bear with me, but one of the things I want to say is that coming from that education system, coming from a a system where you didn't feel as though you're mentored 
to get into that tertiary education mm-hmm. made first year very difficult. Wow. And sometimes being with colleagues or friends and watching them be bedazzled by that university life, you would be able to relate as well. And just, you know, it was about trying to stay focused. Mm-hmm. And I must say, one of the things that focused me the most is, oh my goodness, my father has to get up every day. Mm-hmm. And university is so expensive. I used to sit in the middle of exams and just worry, like in between kind of thing, oh, if I fail this paper, then he's going to have to pay. And oh my goodness, and I'm going to disappoint him. And mm. things like that. So that's what I was saying about, you know, there was lots of positive reinforcement, but sometimes it gave me a bit of anxiety about <laughs> oh, goodness, what if I disappoint them. Yes. But I think it's also, you know, I'm involved with an organization called the Strategic Student um support group as well and we try and support students um, a little bit financially but mostly through mentorship between getting that bridge between school and Mm -hmm. university because that gap and especially that first year when you feel so utterly overwhelmed Mm -hmm. when everybody else looks like they've got all their stuff together and they've come from their private Lani schools and you Mm. think everybody's got their things together and you think oh they just snuck me in here they're going to they're going to sift me out in first year I used to think they're going to sift me out in second year Mm. well here I am Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah, but it was that kind of in a corn, I've, I've mentioned to you, I had a lot of positive reinforcement in my life. Alhamdulillah, I come from a happy family, you know, not that we don't pick and fight with each other, but a happy family, Alhamdulillah, yes. were very supportive with a good sense of faith as a foundation. Mm-hmm. And yet that insecurity still sneaks in when you're there. Mm. And you know as well, being in medicine as well, it's that it's your dignity your your confidence all of that gets attacked every day because you're constantly thinking oh my goodness when you were training as well are you um are you good enough are they going to fail you and sometimes unfortunately you're in a situation where people in power abuse their power absolutely and Mm -hmm. and they feel education via humiliation is is something you can thrive at and Mm -hmm. luckily a lot of our younger generation is moving out of that Mm -hmm. and this this doesn't apply to every person that I came across, but I remember the mentors mm. who instilled a passion of the profession rather than those who used to try and instill the fear of it. Mm. Or, you know, but that's because, like I said, I can't function with education via humiliation. I prefer if you just, you know, not say anything. If you see the passion of it, then you mm. understand the concept. No. Well, I totally agree. I mean, you know, it's humiliating a person to try and install a passion. I'm not sure if it worked back in the day, but I think in modern times, you know, it's it's a matter. It always ends up in, you know, tackling the legal aspect and suing this person over the other. So, I mean, leaving that end aside, you know, um, just in terms of generosity, you know, install a passion without humiliation. I agree with you on that. So going through undergrad, those challenges, this anxiety, and uh, I can imagine back then, you know, compared to now, um, it wasn't obviously a very diverse environment. Not D- at all. Did you did you fit in well enough? Did you have a support structure at uni, um, as opposed to home, where you could somehow integrate and somehow just be you? Well, the nice, like I said, the support structure at at home. My support structure is foolproof, solid. Um, I always say that I'm so blessed to have my family. I also always say my bestest best friend Yasmina Abdurrahman. She, uh, my family's forced to love me, but she loves me for me. So I know I must at least in some way be okay if she's mm. okay. <laughs> so, sure. so I had a good friend I could debrief with, and at you know we were we were lucky that. 
because we were a very small population, I think it still happens, you must guide me, that, you know, a lot of the Muslim students used to mentor the Muslim students. Yes. So when we were like in, in first year, we used to look up to the second years or the fourth years. And when they were in sixth year and we were in fourth year, we'd look up to them. Mm-hmm. And there was a nice Muslim clique okay. that used to be together. Sure. And that used to, I wasn't sure if it was just because the boys were fighting with the girls or because <laughs> it was a mentorship program. But it was, you know, they, they would give us tips and tricks. They'd tell us, okay, go there and buy something, go do that. And that's what I think is so valuable. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think if I were to give advice is to say, other than your support structures, having somebody to debrief with, if it's your family, so be it. If it's a bestest best friend, then that's great as well. But sometimes also finding somebody you can trust to be mm. a mentor who mm-hmm. can say, you know what, don't take this, do that, don't do that. I find Professor so-and-so is really nasty or Doctor, this is okay or go to that one. So I think that mentorship and passing and paying it forward mm-hmm. is so important. Yes. And that also starts the principles of medicine and being in service. No, surely. Finding yourself as a Muslim woman, that obviously comes with lots of challenges, perhaps in the early days a bit of a stigma, not so much anymore, in terms of, you know, can you do it and should you be the one and so forth. And mentally, emotionally, has it been taxing? Have you, you know, overcome that and how have you done so? I'm sure there are a lot of Muslim women out there who are in the corporate environment, whether in the health sector or not. And, you know, walking up the the corporate ladder, they are faced with these challenges. So how do you go about it? Well, I think it boils down to one of my memories is when I went from Douglas Road Primary School, which was a Muslim primary school, Mm -hmm. and I went to an integrated kind of high school, like Vitabuma High School. And I, I remember my mom saying, you are going to meet people who are not of the same religion, different faiths, different mm-hmm. paths of life and things. Please respect everybody's religion and their mm-hmm. views, but stick to yours as right. well. And I don't know, I keep saying to so many parents, I don't know how my parents did it, mm. but I know that that moral compass was there. Okay. And. I think maybe also by being a little bit of a drama queen and a diva by having three pseudo mommies mm. and daddy and um, is that I also I it's not easy mm-hmm. and you know this and the further we've come irrespective of being transformed we to we as Muslim people sometimes are held to a higher standard mm-hmm. and we are criticized so much more yes. and we see so many things in health where the principles or the ideals of Islam are not necessarily met mm-hmm. and pa- and patients confide in you and you are not allowed you cannot be that judgmental when they put their faith in you to try and help and heal them as well so I think that I just keep I kept to the same code mm-hmm. and that and I kept Stating the same code. Mm-hmm. I've got a good sense of humor. I've got a sharp tongue. So it made it easier to kind of, you know, lash out when they go, why do your people do this? And why must you have Eid mm. often? Oh, you Muslim people do this and that. And I would just hit back. I would just, I would just kind of defend mm. or say, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to. Oh, don't you want to come and do this? No, I'm sorry. That's not part of my belief system. Wonderful. And I think that I found that people respected you more for mm. that because of the diversity sure. and feeling the need to conform. Mm. It's not easy, but it pays off if it's consistent. 
Oh, I could imagine. Now, one of the things that, you know, fast forward today as uh, time is evading us a little bit. So one of the challenges also in terms of the healthcare sector, um, I think twofold. One is women feeling comfortable with women, which is a general cultural trend amongst uh, our community and, you know, reaching out to a Muslim female gynecologist. In fact, a lot of times the, the, the sheikhs recommend such things. Um, and, and, and I think, uh, you know, having that particular resource at our disposal is something great and you know shouldn't be taken for granted um, which is why we are so happy that lots lots of our female specialities are coming into this particular field the the other aspect that you know um, sticks quite close to home is the fact that sometimes some decisions Islamically in terms of an ethical basis or an Islamic basis to do with um, you know aspects of obstetrics and gynecology um, there might be a conflict of interest on either part side and you know you in the specialist position um, how do you go about resolving that what advice can you give people uh, a lot of times people want to reach but they think that maybe the obstetrician might not see their part or not see their point but they don't understand that you're also similar sitting with a similar issue that we do see from your perspective it's not you don't have to not reach us so how do you resolve this conflict of interest so I I'm in private practice I have my own practice and alhamdulillah that means that I can set my rules a little bit about what I do or don't do in my practice sure you know so that made it easier but in training mm -hmm. you know we I was lucky that I was trained at UCT where they also tried to follow the principles of allowing you to have your back in the day when it wasn't popular that your opinion and your religious belief was important sure so a simple example is one of the things that used to that used to petrify me was you know abortions were yes. done in Obzangaini all the time mm -hmm. and I you know I used to stand firm and this is what I was saying to you sometimes you'd stand on ward rounds and I would not write up the medication um, and but if the patients had gone through their miscarriages and their lives were in danger and they needed their womb scrapes that was a different um, obviously yes, a yes, different surely. aspect of treatment mm -hmm. however you had to battle with yourself and mm -hmm. I remember coming on battling with myself and saying I, mean, I am so you know I see so many Muslim people sure. because unfortunately sometimes it you'd have five patients and four of them would be Muslim and your colleagues sometimes would use that as an opportunity and go but aren't these your people I mean if, if they if they can have it can't you just do it yes. and that's what I was saying that that it was that and that trying to be steadfast in your answer to them mm -hmm. and to know that you know if you break that rule you're going to ruin the path for everyone else no absolutely you know and it was for example a simple example somebody had said that um, I've I always never came in for Eid. Mm -hmm. I happily do do Easter and Christmas, but I would ask for Eid off. And this was before, um, you know, labor law and understandings about mm. this. And it was always, oh, no, put a day's leave in and you, you can't get off. And maybe you can. And, and alhamdulillah, I always managed to have that. And it was no holds bar. I'm off that day. Right. And later on, when others, years after I had qualified, you know, there were many more Muslim people in one of the institutions that I won't name. But one person, one man said, no, he'll come in quickly in the morning and quickly do his ward round. Mm -hmm. And before. Right. And all of a sudden, all three of the other Muslim people were forced to come in. Really? Yes, to do their ward rounds. And then they could go home because he had set the precedent. Oh. The rest of us and people ahead of me, mm. because I was the only Muslim person for a long while. And before me was was one or two Muslim people. And people had set the precedents. People like 
Doctors Jeeva, Kamisa, Davids, Pandy, Dr. Samis, they had set the precedence. Right ahead of me was somebody as well who eventually went to England. And he was also very steadfast. There was no room for movement here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know now you end up having to ask somebody, are they a practicing Muslim? <laughs> but the thing is, in any society, in any workplace, I think if you've set that tone, it mm-hmm. should continue. But it's almost as though when you break with that tone, it's mm-hmm. a little give that you give for somebody to overpower you. Sure. No, I could imagine. Yes, uh, resolving the cul- that's that the c- conflict of interest by being steadfast on your moral compass, I think that's what we um, are aiming for. But on that note, let's head back to the marketplace. We'll be back shortly. Stay tuned. Yours is a story of color and paint, brushes, buckets, and wallpaper. The pure delight when it looks just how you imagined. Because you don't just want to redecorate. You're creating your own living space. That's why you come to us. At Builders, we're happy to help. And you get the best deals on the widest range of quality products. Yeah, we know. You're not just a doer. You're a builder. Get to Builders. Get it done. Miley, beloven my kiblas, die kant van die wereld. Nee, Gamat, ik zeef jou, het is hierdie kant. Nee, Miley, ek is doodrig. Mohamed Kanala, your right shoulder must be perpendicular to the sunset. Then that's the direction of the kibla. Is dit doodvisieke? Is dit waar? Yes, of course. Introducing the Crescent Lifestyle app, featuring Masjid and Janaza notices, solar calculator, and now the Qibla compass that gives you Qibla direction from anywhere in the world. Download the 30-day trial version by searching Crescent Lifestyle in your iStore or Play Store now and enjoy all the benefits of South Africa's premier Islamic lifestyle app. of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. Born to serve. My eyes see injustice, my hands work for change, my tongue sing the song. Welcome back, respected listeners. 91.3 FM is what you are tuned into. My name is Mohammed Sheikh, speaking to Dr. Malika van der Skave. So, women's health was always your thing, from in utero to first year of undergrad medicine, and then I would imagine postgrad. Um, lots of doctors find themselves in a predicament where it's not always easy to get a post in terms of uh, postgraduate training, and what exactly worked the magic? Well... <laughs> That's a longer story. How much time do we really have? <laughs> well, uh, so, the, the, well the, the, let me shorten it. Let me shorten mm. it because I sometimes get accused of speaking for way too much. But it was number one, it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. Number two, at the time in the province, luckily there were groups and political groups that were looking to see that institutions were starting to transform ah. and it was it, it was difficult to get certain posts sure. without it being in the province Absolutely. and i think one of my favors was that 
I'd like to think I was hardworking. I made my intentions clear, and there was one mentor mm-hmm. who fought on my behalf. And Alhamdulillah, I think it was in the right waktu, and it worked out okay. because there was a while there when I thought I am never getting this post. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I, I think it's a it's a trait that sometimes irritates people, but I just kept putting myself in their path. I ah. just kept standing there and like, yeah, right. um, where's my post? When am I going to have a post? Can I get a post? Where's my post? <laughs> um, I'll get to that post. I'll get into this post. And also, of course, Alhamdulillah, the eventually worked out but um, my sister's in pediatrics as um, specialized in pediatrics at a different institution and she went through a similar trait where you know you you know the industry for acceptance Mm. and for getting you know it's kind of sometimes about who you impressed or who's willing to give you a chance and you sometimes need are held to a different standard than others Mm -hmm. and often and with her it was the same that there was one or two mentors who said listen this person is an asset Mm -hmm. we can accept please let's accept him or her and I think that is it that if somebody see recognizes that talent Mm -hmm. and is willing to vouch and that's where I think that whole pay it forward and mentoring Mm-hmm. So it's not easy, and there is discriminations, and there is there are discriminations on so many levels sometimes. As a woman, as a woman of color, as a Muslim these days, yes. you know, in a man's world, so you know, we're medicine and things like that, and trying to get through with, with, with so that if you don't thrive during education via humiliation or things like that. But Alhamdulillah, I keep saying that it's perseverance. Mm-hmm. What is your resolve when days are dark? Is that ultimately I can't see anything else. Okay. My best friend always says you don't realize how blessed you are, Alhamdulillah, that you have this tunnel vision, mm. and that is what it is. I keep threatening I'm going to go get an office job. I keep threatening I'm going to go into marketing <laughs> or something else. I keep asking people like you and Howard to give me a job here at Voice of the Cape or something. <laughs> but I still go back to the same thing, and the dark days come back to Allah has a plan. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, and you know, our industry is not easy. Yes. You know this. Obzangaini, and especially private Obzangaini, we're doing this shortly on the after Aaron Matsuledi has released his NHI talk about healthcare changing so much, private healthcare being so expensive, mm-hmm. medical indemnity and insurances. I mean, we pay up to a million rand medical indemnity sure. and personal insurance, and all of those, plus the financial, the bats, bat, financials, that's going up, patients, you know, turning away from from conventional medicine um, you know and believing that that it has to be one or the other yet mm. I believe in complementary medicine absolutely that the two should complement each other so we have so many issues within society that is that that makes this practice really difficult and you know I must tell you Muhammad, the one thing is you say the dark days and you've asked me twice now and you know what in the middle of it you are so overwhelmed and in the middle of it i can't promise you that i didn't flick and i can't promise that i didn't <laughs> think oh my goodness why have i done this mm-hmm. and then and i recite and i always turn to allah to guide and then somewhere in there there's always light so mm-hmm. i think the answer to that what do you do in the dark is i always walk towards the light i always believe that there will be light and i'm making it sound all frou-frou and fancy and all of that as though i've got this deep dark secret i don't i just keep asking King Allah to guide. Alhamdulillah. I think uh, th- that's a part of light we all ought to be taking. But for now, we have to head to the light of the business world. We'll be back shortly thereafter. Keep it locked. Born to serve. My eyes see injustice. My hands work for change. My tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. My heart. The love of Allah combined with 
Welcome back, respected listeners. In our final segment with myself, Muhammad Sheikh, and Dr. Malika Fandis Cave. It's been absolutely enthralling speaking to her and sure, taking her on her journey, reflecting on moments of her life in this uh, unduly hour. But uh, nonetheless, nonetheless, it's been wonderful chatting to you and talking to you. No, thank you so much again for having me. I'm not sure I, I'm answering any of these questions. I feel like I'm repeating myself. <laughs> well, I guess, uh, you know, there's always there's a strong message coming through. And I think um, uh, it screams out, believe in yourself and take the part of light to our life. I can summarize everything that has been done so far. So I think even if it's that message that we leave with our listeners, somebody's inspired and uh, I'm sure I am as well. But for now, let's, let's head back uh, in our final segment. And, you know, th- the thing that I want to know is complimentary the various roles that you have and you have in I mean your CV is quite extensive with lots of involvement um, society wise in terms of the in the medical sector in terms of uh, uh, you know uh, the community orientated lots and lots of things what I want to know is what really inspires you to do these things and why why do you do it well number one it started off with this whole thing about mentorship mm-hmm. so a colleague of mine uh, professor he's now professor Mark Sanderop in fourth year I think hoodwinked me if I really think of the right idea way to put it and he kind of got me and he said oh come come let's go to a Jadasa meeting mm-hmm. come let's go and hear about come hear about medical politics and things mm-hmm. and then that's how 24 years ago I got started with that sure. I think sometimes it's because I'm a busybody mm. I talk a lot and I um, I sometimes say this to my patients as well I'm gonna tell you everything rather than nothing whether you like what I have to say mm-hmm. or not so sometimes I think I am um, uh, I can be a little bit blunt mm-hmm. where those are concerned, but I also think there's so much transformation, change, and and that needs to happen, and I want to be a part of that process. Sure. Partly because, oh, it, might, it might sound like an Overwatch or a Big Brother kind of thing, partly just because I see so many perverse incentives, I see so many things that make no sense, mm. and and I think mostly just because I'm too busybody, and if I, it, you know, I don't trust somebody else to tell me the details, so I'm going to go find it out myself. Okay. Okay, I think that's uh, always having the inquisitive mind is um, professional advantage and at the same time it's... Which is also still my mom's fault because she said don't be scared to ask a question and she said after she said that she regretted it for the rest of the time because I wouldn't stop. <laughs> oh, so well. it's part of her fault as well. Uh, it's in the genetic makeup, it's okay. I mean, I'm sure your mom would be enjoying that part. Uh, but nonetheless, and... Um, as we count down to the end of our program, if you ha- and you speak a lot about mentorship, mentoring others, helping others, and you know, um, if there's a particular advice that you can give to somebody out there right now, into you know believing in yourself and reaching for whatever it is that you want in life, what would that be? I think that would be if you think I'm sitting here and I have it all together, please don't think so. If you think that my journey might be complete, it's still not. And the biggest deal is it does not matter which area of the workplace you're going into. Have a passion for it. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, I was blessed to have a tunnel vision for it, which sometimes is my blessing, and a passion which can be my blessing and the curse for it as well sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, is that for example, something like medicine, do it because you have a passion. Mm-hmm. Because at 3 o'clock in the morning when you're trying to put a drop up on a patient, sure. nobody cares what you drive. Nobody cares that you've got a DR in front of your name. Mm-hmm. I get mistaken for a nurse almost every day because people <laughs> can't think I'm the doctor. Or somebody says, are you really going to do the surgery? And I kind of go, well, yes, I can do your hysterectomy <laughs> through a keyhole and we can do all of those. So there's... An, 
the passion is my most important mm-hmm. the sense of faith because a lot of it i think is not just hard work which mm-hmm. obviously it works i'm not one of those people who's going to tell you that i sat there and i studied uh, all night and all of that i did study that's not it but a lot of it also i believe is my family i believe it's allah guiding me i believe it's a bit of luck as well mm-hmm. and i believe that your passion has to be there for you to 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 do that and again i it's not that i'm saying i was always sure about myself i still am not it's just alhamdulillah this is where i believe allah's meant for me to be mm-hmm. and you know that's where it lies yeah. okay and in our final 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 question for this evening our roast seat as i like to call it uh-huh. 30 seconds when you're not busy with uh, obstetrics gynecology being in society's community involvement what's two things that you end up doing um trying to play master chef i'm a okay. very clingy cook my uh-huh. sister says i'm a very emotional cook because i watch them all and i take their criticism seriously well and i'm uh-huh. not going to s- tell you something really really fancy schmancy i like tv <laughs> 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 okay. Well, we'll leave it at that. Dr. Malika van Escape, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Shukran so much for taking the time out coming here inspiring us on the voice of the Cape. Shukran so much and assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. That also concludes uh, my program for myself Mohammed Sheikh. I hope you've had a splendid one. Yes, we are in the healthcare, but we talked everything other than the healthcare this evening because because we want to inspire you and that's why we are here. From myself Mohammed Sheikh, Yasmina Peterson is our producer. Keep well, keep safe. keep safe fast and in fi amanillah wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh